0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks.
1: How do you pray? In the morning? With friends from church? How about with your smartphone? Millions of people already are, and big tech thinks you will too. This is Device and Virtue.
2: Well, hey, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life. We're coming to you from Chicago. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. And Chris, today we are talking about prayer apps. Prayer apps. So like nachos, but just more spiritual.
1: Nachos.
2: <laughs> or like olives in a cheese plate. Prayer apps. I love apps when you go to a party. Yes. Oh man, sorry. That's a platter sorry. of prayer apps. Oh, oh prayer wow. apps, like wow. the downloadable
1: kind. <laughs> you said we had to switch places uh, today. And so I made the dad joke and <laughs> I make better dad jokes than that. <laughs> no. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of people are talking about prayer apps these days. So I recently downloaded this app called Hallow. Yeah. Which is big, right? Right. And I recently downloaded an app called Glorify, which is also really big. Interesting. And apparently we're not the only ones who think they're big because there are a number of Silicon Valley venture capital firms, which just means people Mm. with lots of money who are investing (laughs) in things. Exactly. But Silicon Valley is sitting out up and paying attention to prayer apps, particularly Christian prayer apps, in a big way, especially in 2021. Why would anyone put money into a prayer app? I think that's a great question. I think (laughs) one big reason is between these two apps, Hallow and Glorify, they have, I'm doing the math in my head, 4 million users who have downloaded these apps.
2: 4 million people have downloaded the apps.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that many people are probably praying. Probably a lot more people are praying. The thing that really caught my attention was how much Silicon Valley is investing in these new prayer apps. I'll just give you a little chart. In 2016, they invested $6 million in quote unquote Christian apps. In 2021, they invested over $170 million. And two of those are hallow and glorify which together got about 90 million dollars in funding last year and i I look at that and i say why is silicon valley caring about christian prayer apps if silicon valley is worried about it maybe churches and christians who are using these apps should also be worried about it or thinking about it I'm more curious about like
2: why people like them in the first place. And if I I haven't ever actually used one of these apps at all. Really? Uh, No, I downloaded it because you said we were going to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, obviously I've prayed before being, having been a pastor. I don't know. If you don't have have an app for it, have (laughs) you really prayed? So, I mean, I was like curious, like, what does this work like? So I don't know about yours, but I loaded mine up and you had to like, create an account and then it asked me and then I was like we have famous people on this pro app like Jonathan <laughs> Rumi the actor that plays Jesus in the TV show The Chosen I'm oh, like yeah. oh really? Yeah, what do you mean you have popular. him? well it turns out he reads prayers out loud right? and you sort of listen to it right. and I loaded up this one's well actually here you want to hear him? listen to this hello and welcome back to the next session of Halo let's begin Find a comfortable and alert position. Let's start by taking some deep breaths. Allow your breath to return to its regular rhythm. Slowly turn your attention to God. Acknowledge that you're doing this to grow closer with Him. Ask Him to grant you the grace of the Holy Spirit, to listen attentively to His voice. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's how it sounds, which is fascinating. I don't, ah, uh, is this what I, it sounds like when I pray? I mean, <laughs> d- praying with Jesus is different than what I thought praying to with Jesus was. Yeah, yeah. And then it like asked me about like what goals I have when you like create an account. You, know, you could select like, I want to reduce anxiety. Yeah. I want to learn more about my faith. Right. I want to have better sleep. I mean, okay. (laughs) I want a a better relationship with God, which is good, I guess. You know, I want to discover new prayers. Like, lots of interesting things. Like, it's sort of asking you... I mean, this is how it feels when you load these things up.
1: Yeah. And the founders of these companies, they have admirable goals for what they're doing. Alex Jones, who founded Halo, says, you know, our goal is to try and build a place of peace away from sort of the stress and anxiety of contemporary life, right? And... Ed Beckel, who founded Glorify, says, you know, my goal with all of these people, he says, is to get them to make Glorify the medium that they talk about their faith through. What does that mean? Right? (laughs) The medium that they talk about their
2: faith through? So the app is the medium?
1: Yes. So if these are prayer apps that are forming how we pray, how is that shaping how we think about our faith? If we're using these apps, if we're listening to... Jonathan Rumi help us pray. You know, when I open the Glorify app, it starts with a quote from someone. Today's was Max Licato. Okay. Yeah, and right, and right. then, you know, you click done and it's like, "Oh, you're you're halfway done for the day," you know. I think when you open the Hallow app, I don't know if it gives you the quotes, but it has like more
2: saints and things. But that makes yeah. some sense cuz Hallow is officially like a Catholic app. Right. And Glorify is officially like A Protestant or an evangelical—they're all Christians—is
1: kind of how they've said it. Right, right, right. But definitely, one's more Protestant, one's more Catholic. Right. And one thing we haven't said yet is that these are for-profit apps. These are apps that you pay for. I know. (laughs) And and they are clear about that right up front, aren't they? They really are. So I feel like, okay, we got to cover a lot
2: then because I want to think about money and prayer. Does that go together? Right. I also want to think about what kind of effects these have on us. Does this change for all of history, the way prayer is
1: done? So I don't know. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Is this unprecedented and how should we think about it? Right. Maybe we can start with that whole $50 million question.
2: So I want to think about all these big questions about prayer and if this helps us. But the first thing you brought up is probably one of the most interesting things, like why Silicon Valley is investing in these apps. Because, like, obviously they think they're going to make money. Right. Right? Yeah. One of these investors is Andreessen Horowitz, who Mark Andreessen was the original founder of Netscape Navigator, one of the original web browsers, <laughs> but eventually became real rich and invested in a lot of tech different tech apps and certainly not like big Christian apps. By the way, I do know that Mark Andreessen, by the way, back was uh, a Christian back when he was young. So okay. I don't know if he is now. He may still be. He had some connections back to my campus ministry at University of Illinois. Oh, really? Right? Yeah, years That's ago. Cool. So maybe he's investing in it because he just wants more people to pray. Right. But I don't think so. Well, I think he's investing in it or it's probably his group now, not just right. him. Because they think they're going to make money off this. Yeah. And like <laughs> well, let's go because that sort of already makes me a little bit flustered or a little bit frustrated, especially since when I loaded up this app, the first thing it asked me after what my goals were was do I want to pay fifty nine ninety nine a year to pray.
1: Yeah, right. And another major investor was Peter Thiel. And he was the first outside investor for Facebook and he okay, right, is yeah. the co founder of PayPal. So And known to be conservative actually. Yeah,
2: interestingly, politically, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, sure, or a sure. special, But yeah, yeah,
1: and so yeah, there are some big names. These are not small venture capital firms in Silicon Valley. These are major players who are investing in these apps, and like you said, they see a return on investment for these apps. So, they, do they think they're just going to make money off people subscribing like to this? Like that's the idea. For Glorify, you know, the founder was like, we've been able to show that people are willing to subscribe and pay money. We have that proof of concept already in place. I have one connection to a developer at one of these major apps and Mm -hmm. was
2: talking to them today, actually, about it. And they were telling me that not only is the market big in terms of prayer apps, but they were also thinking of themselves like Calm is a really big meditation app that's out there. And that's become a big business. Forbes reported they got $75 million of investment recently. And he says they're thinking about themselves in that same space. So it sounds like the investors less than sort of having this big Christian altruistic, let's all get praying approach, are thinking like meditation, calm (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of apps. This is a religious way to go about that, but it's going to grow. Like more people want
1: it. You know, a lot of people are saying part of it is just COVID and the pandemic. People are more aware of maybe the spiritual vacuum in their lives when they're isolated. And that's driving a greater desire for peace and calm and prayer, and these apps are poised to capitalize on that market. So I don't know why I'm the negative one today. Maybe we're going to swap roles all day, but
2: (laughs) maybe you're not positive. But automatically, this sounds negative to me to have this for-profit interest in the app. I'm trying to think of why... It could be, so let me just flip around and like pretend to be positive for a second. <laughs> I mean, for instance, I can think of some reasons why it could be good for someone to pay a subscription to a prayer app. Like one might be, I want to support that work. Like a minute, like I want more people praying. So they see it as a ministry. And so I'm going to invest in that. But I think mm-hmm. these prices feel like, well, you know, they're not in that, that level of sort <laughs> of ministry level. They're more yeah. like premium, like a paid app level. Another thing might be like I I want and I guess we can think about this more together, but I want to pray more, and so I want to pay some to have some skin in the game,
1: right. Yeah, if I pay something, then maybe that'll motivate me, so I don't waste yeah, my money. It's
2: like it's like at the beginning of the year getting that gym membership.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they probably do see a bump at the beginning of the year. No, so
2: like I make a resolution, and if it was just free, I don't really do it. But dang it, you know, I'm spending forty or fifty dollars a month on that gym membership.
1: I better go, you know, otherwise I'm wasting that money. Yeah, so
2: I can maybe see that as a mm-hmm. benefit.
1: I think also, and I think investors have seen this too. Our smartphones are so tied to. Our lives now and it's and and tied to the way we think the way we go about our days the way we travel the way we communicate that if I communicate with other people maybe it makes sense that I communicate with God through my smartphone as well that it's just this place where I do so many other things with my life. Why wouldn't I also do uh, a spiritual thing these apps are looking at that and saying we can help you do that but we need to make money to help you. Well, I'm with you on that. I actually had a friend
2: years ago, also at University of Illinois, that was in my campus ministry back then, who created a prayer app that was really early, way before all these. It was called Echo Prayer. Okay. And yeah, I've heard of it. it was different than these. It didn't have like a guided prayer situation, but it was a way for you to record prayer requests. And oh, you was sort of like, it was almost like it made a, li- uh, a list yeah. of your prayer requests, and then it could text you... <laughs>
1: And <laughs> to, others.
2: To remind you to pray for, or like a small group. Like, yeah. say you all, like, you know, that's sort of the thing of like, we go to a small group, we share some prayer requests yeah. together. Yeah. It would remind us maybe at a certain time of day and we could all pray for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a cool concept. He coded it on his own because this guy was just talented wow. in his like young 20s, just made his own hmm. thing. This is actually before iPhones in the app store. So he made it first on the web. Yeah. And the back in the day. And then I looked, there's an app version now. So over yeah. the years, they've sort of included it. That one is not. Maybe they want venture capital, but he made that for for free, right? Yeah, out, out of the goodness of his heart. And <laughs> a lot, of, like I know, actually, yeah. he made it out of the goodness of his heart. He was genuinely. His motivation was like, I want people to pray more, yeah, and I want it to be easy, yeah. And so the idea of the it, the phone as an extension of my heart that worked for that. Adding the forty nine ninety nine <laughs> subscription feels like a lot different than
1: a church or an individual christian sort of making an app to Mm -hmm. either
2: give away or Mm -hmm. maybe just on donations Mm
1: -hmm. i i don't disagree is it different from a author who writes a book on prayer and says hey you can buy this for 24.99 and i'll help you pray better you know and the publisher that's involved in funding that making that happen so speaking of that actually, for I grabbed remember
2: Philip Yancey's book called Prayer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was checking it out. Yeah. Remember that book? It was like it was fifteen years ago. Well, you know, well known Christian author, used to write a lot of stuff. And he just does a whole book on prayer. And at the beginning of the book, he was talking about and this I think matches why people might pay for this. He was talking about what most Christians when you poll them, he like did a poll or something. Okay. And he was saying, most people say, one, they pray every day. Two. They say they pray, like, not that long. Like, if you ask them how long, they're like, "Eh, five minutes, seven minutes. Okay. Three, when you ask, do you find prayer satisfying? Mm -hmm. Most people say somewhat unsatisfying. Like, if you think about the scale, like, very satisfying. Like, you know, like, the sort of average, like, a little bit below satisfying. Like, not, it doesn't always feel that great. Like, sometimes it feels good, but, you know, not all the time. (laughs) And then, do you experience God? was a question he asked. And most people wrote something like, sometimes but not always. Right. And he said the general sense you get from the average person on prayer is that everyone thinks it's really important in their life. Mm-hmm. They'll all say this is super critical. Yeah. They'll all say, I do it every day. But the reality is most people say they feel like it's a little
1: bit more of a burden than a pleasure. Yeah. Well, when Paul says, pray without ceasing... The rest of us are just like, well, I'm screwed. I can't do anything about that. I can't achieve. You read that. these
2: holy these stories. You know, Martin Luther prayed for like two or three hours a day. Right. He's famous. He has this quote that he says, "It should be natural as to pray as it is for a shoemaker to make shoes." <laughs> Which I don't know. Is that are we making shoes? Right. Who knows?
1: <laughs> like, That's interesting because C.S. Lewis talks about prayer in the liturgy as as. The, Uh, uh, It should feel like an old shoe. It should get more comfortable as you go.
2: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that quote. That's funny. Everyone's into shoes. And then there's someone like, (laughs) yeah, right.
1: And then there's someone like Brother Lawrence, who's like practicing the presence of God while he washes the dishes all the time. I think there's this gap
2: between people's perception of I want to pray more.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think
2: it's good, but I don't. So when you present me, and this is almost like a fitness app, there's sort of this fitness analogy. When you present me an option for me to invest some money into me sort of improving myself, quote unquote, in this right, way, right. put some skin in the game, get that gym membership, get that habit up, that prayer app fits that thing. And I think that's the model. That's the financial model that gets tapped into mm-hmm. with these prayer apps where we have this gap between that famous prayer and our reality of, oh, I pray sometimes and it's not that great.
1: Yeah. Well, I think if we're going to answer this question, we also just sort of have to ask the question, what is prayer for in the first place? If we're talking about prayer and spiritual disciplines, Chris, I'm wondering what has been one of the most spiritually formative practices or experiences for you in your experience as a Christian?
2: That's a good place to start because I thought we were asking, like, what is prayer? But I think what you're asking first is how, how have you done prayer <laughs> yeah. to, to back into that question? Yeah. I, and I think that's a good way to go. I mean, so many experiences of prayer. Right now, My one of my biggest prayer habits is I do a weekly examine prayer. So like the prayer where you—like okay. it's old Ignatian prayer. You know this stuff, of course, because you also do this. But it's where you sort of think through your week or your day and invite the Holy Spirit right. to look over that and see— um, where Jesus was near and where Jesus was far, maybe is one way to say it. I've done that with a prayer partner, one or two people for many, many years, like yeah. where we pray over that. And that's like a really big deal for me. I've had different prayer partners over different times. Right now, my prayer partner is an Old Testament professor that is like a really <laughs> close friend of mine. And we actually live apart from each other now. I live on the West Coast, but we still do it on Zoom. That's and cool. I, I love that. That's a really important part of my week. If I was not stopping and reflecting yeah. on what has happened that week yeah. and sort of where sin and grace has been in that week and, and then praying over that. I think uh, yeah. it's an
1: anchoring thing. Yeah. I think for me, I took a prayer class a couple of years ago that was kind of an intensive. It lasted most of a year, but it involved both teaching about prayer, but then also small group time they described as group spiritual direction and spiritual direction yeah. is this idea that you're you meet with someone who's sort of asking you where is Jesus at work in what you're sharing. It feels a little bit like therapy but it's it's much more focused more prayerfully it, focused. It's it's more directive in that sense. And it's less about just what's going on with you and more about like okay, well where where is Jesus in what you're talking about. Right. That experience for me of Doing, I think especially in that small group setting was really transformative because it did open up a lot of very personal questions for me, but it also happened in the context of something that felt fairly intimate and fairly Hmm. vulnerable. Now my prayer is really more centered around focusing on where Jesus is at. I meet with a spiritual director on a regular basis, a bit like what you're saying is like there's this opportunity to pause, reflect on where Jesus has been, where he's been where he's felt far away and just that practice of reflecting on my own life has been that great opportunity. I love that. And I think for me,
2: prayer has, the meaning of prayer has evolved over time. And even if we're asking what is prayer for, and then I think we can ask, do these apps do that, you know, the prayer apps. But like, if we're just thinking theologically or personally, spiritually about what is prayer for, for me growing up, Prayer was like let's pray for grandma because she got sick, <laughs> right? You know, like prayer or requests. prayer requests often like somebody got hurt, yeah, you know, or you know, and some things would be real serious. We yeah. cared about these things. Some things would be you know more trivial. The well, we're driving to Indiana next week. We're praying for traveling mercies, you know, <laughs> like what? Like you want cheap gas? <laughs> I don't know. And it felt like unpowerful things. And sure. then sure, and then I went to college and and had really strong experiences with God in college and became you know I became a campus. pastor. Pastor there and I would lead a prayer group for college students on Saturday nights at midnight. And we would do oh, this because the bars would always be packed with students out drinking on Saturday nights. And we were trying to create <laughs> this sort of alternate thing. Wow. And we were in the top floor of this church building and we were right outside the main bar on campus. So we'd hear people screaming outside, but we'd all be in this room. And we had a guitar and we had some (laughs) candles and we had worship songs. And we felt very holy, actually. We called it the upper room because we were in an upper room. Good place. (laughs) Good place to be. I don't think we were thinking like it's Jesus declaring his death. We were more thinking like we could pray together. We would. It was an incredibly powerful, really cool time of singing songs together. We'd pray for each other. We'd have a different format each week. I learned to pray a lot in that space in a very not trivial way. Not these traveling mercies kind of prayers, but I was passionate and I'd be praying for God to do big work on campus and for people to come to know him and to Mm. maybe for big things in our country or these kind of things yeah. like we'd have different we'd slice up the time yeah so we'd have times where like someone would stand up when I was young and as a leader and they're like okay for the next 10 minutes everyone pray for yeah pray for other students on campus mm. and so that we'd pray for that in small groups yeah that's and then cool. someone else would stand up and go now let's pray for something going on overseas and we'd pray for that sure and that helped us because it was like what are we gonna pray for for like an hour or longer <laughs> and but we had little sort of time blocks and we would do that and then you prayed from your heart and you prayed whatever you were thinking
1: mm-hmm. and And you prayed out loud with a few other people. And that to me was like really passionate, really powerful prayer. One thing that's interesting in what you're saying is there is that sense of corporate prayer and that shared experience. I I had that shared experience in a smaller group, but you had that experience in a a larger group, maybe broke into smaller groups. But I think, there's something really powerful in that as, as much as in private prayer. Sure, right. And you'd also, we were encouraged to have like, you know, especially in that time to have like lots of quiet times, you know, right. private
2: prayer thing. Yeah. But it was fed back and forth by this group prayer and the private yeah. prayer. What we didn't know about at that time, what I didn't know about, was things like most recently I've been Anglican, and you're praying these prayers together that are a very, very different experience when I was yeah. then, right? You know, that was yeah. that was sort of like the you pray from your heart, and that's whatever you think of is the most valuable thing. Mm-hmm. So I think people pray in different ways. They notice it as they go older. Now I really do value these older prayers that are written down. Oh, back to that Philip Yancey book, Philip Yancey says, He said, when I listen to prayer in evangelical circles, I hear, I listen to people telling God what to do. <laughs> along with thinly veiled hints of how others should behave. Oh man,
1: that's so true.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> he, so true. Right. But then he trashes another other side. He says, when I listen to prayer in more liberal churches, mm. I hear calls to action as if prayer was something to get past. So we could all go to the real work of God's kingdom.
1: Huh, interesting. Right. In yeah. like a
2: protest or yeah. a call to justice or thing. And in either way, and he goes on about trying to show a scriptural view of prayer. That's not really like, God do this. God do that. Yeah. yeah. I think, in the midst of all these different ways of praying, when theologians talk about prayer, or maybe just people thinking, one of the biggest questions that comes up is,
1: is prayer to change God, or is <laughs> prayer to change me? Yeah, right? Man. I mean, for me, the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Right? Because I think I've been changed by prayer It's hard, right? It is hard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because like we all sort of know you're supposed to ask God for things and trust him, but we also go, well, you can't change God, (laughs) right? But we don't want to think it's only for me. Then what's the point of praying in the first place? Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: And it's all kind of conforming me to what God was already going to do or something like that. No, I mean, there's a reason that theologians have asked the question for hundreds of years, right? So St. Augustine, actually, he writes, the very giving of ourselves to prayer
2: has the effect of soothing our minds, purifying them, and makes us more fit to receive the divine gifts which are spiritually poured out on us. Hmm. He sounds there to me like it's less about changing God and more about us being or God changing us. I guess is his answer. It's neither, it's not we change God nor the prayer changes us, but it's about God changing us.
1: Yeah, our choice to be open is sort of our choice, but it's also then being open to letting God fill us with whatever he would have us think, feel, believe, hope for, whatever that looks like. And that reminds me of, I'm going to share a quote since you've been sharing a couple quotes. So this one is from Eugene Peterson and his translation, the message and these words he puts in, in the mouth of Jesus. So Matthew six, six, Jesus is saying, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet secluded place. So you won't be tempted to role play before God. Mm, mm, mm. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. I love just the open-endedness of that and the simplicity of it. Like as honestly as you can manage, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not going to be perfect, Mm -hmm. but also this subtle shift and you'll begin to sense his grace. It's not some transformative moment necessarily. It's just a subtle change. So maybe part what prayer is for in our ability to solve that age-old question (laughs) on
2: our podcast is, (laughs) is partly it's about Being honestly in the presence of God. Partly it's about not just asking God for things nor us adjusting to things, but God doing work in us. Mm -hmm. So, a question that I have is Are these apps getting us there?
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and County, a bounty hunter's journey to faith This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us. Written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing, the kind that comes after painful trauma. Grieve, Breathe, receive, is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com slash audio to learn more.
1: If we're going to talk about whether these apps are effective, I thought it would be easiest if I just walked through kind of one day in the life of a Glorify app user. (laughs) Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. In this case. So I open the app, and the first thing it puts in front of me on the kind of open screen is just a quote from some Christian. And at the bottom, it has two options. One is the one that it wants you to go to is the share quote. So I can share this quote. On oh. social media or with someone it takes me to... Oh, that's dominant. It's interesting. I was talking to the yeah. one uh, developer
2: that I know at one of these larger perhaps apps and they told me that they have been told to, to try to add share features to everything because... Because they want more people to use the app, yes. so uh, yes,
1: that seems like it's right in line with what right. I'm hearing. Yeah, and to me, kind of militates against the idea of going into your secluded place and praying and being as honest as you can in that prayer space, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so right. the, there's a tension there for me, and I don't like sharing things like this anyway. So I'm going to choose the second option, which is just tap here to complete, and when I do. It gives me a nice little haptic feedback that checkmark, this is done for the day. Oh, so I'm, I'm already halfway, no, <laughs> I'm already a quarter of the way done for the day. And it's it then presents me with a little bit of a list of five things that I'm going to do. A I'm little, gonna, p- I'm a little going prayer to, checklist. Yeah. I'm going to read the daily quote, which I did, and then I'm okay. going to read a passage. Oh. I'm going to read a devotional, a reflection, and then hit my stretch goal for the day. <laughs> oh, God. So if I go to the next thing, the passage, uh-huh. I can read it, or if I pay, I can listen to it. Interesting. Okay. So if I'm going to read it, it gives me a little context on the book of the Bible that it's in, 2 Kings in this case, and then it has a verse-by-verse tap-through. So I'm tapping through it. Oh, it's like an Instagram story. Yes, exactly. It doesn't time out like an Instagram story, but it does have kind of that sequence of things. Tapping through each verse. I'm just going to tap through each verse, which I'll be honest, when I first experienced this, I was like, like, like I kind of liked it. (laughs) I liked it because it allowed me to pause with that verse and really kind of dwell on it and think about it. That said, it, you know... Verses are decontextualized in some sense and blah, blah, blah. There's that critique (laughs) too. Well, that's an important point maybe to make that versification or just doing pull quotes
2: of the scripture oftentimes accidentally, not on purpose, modifies the scripture, mangles it because it's not in
1: the full sort of story or text. Right. And if I'm thinking about a parable of Jesus or a portion of a passage from scripture, Often it's connected to the things on either side of it. And right. interpreting a passage from Jesus often involves interpreting the passages around it. But I complete the passage and again, I get the check mark and the haptic feedback. I feel so satisfied. I'm done. But when I get down to the reflection, the last thing of the day, it says start, but it says plus. So I have to actually pay oh, for it. It's locked. So I can't start it without purchasing and oh, what i found what I, I realized you an offer
2: for an annual or monthly plan yes, right, when you try
1: to do it exactly and what i realized was i can't complete the checklist for the day without paying for the full app mm. first of all and there's a streaks feature like snapchat has where it's going to track how many days in a row I've completed my prayer and I can't have a streak without completing and I can't complete without paying. It is
2: super set up
1: to try to get
2: you to being a paying thing if you want to complete that day or do your thing. Exactly. Uh, Is that helping us pray? (laughs) Hello has some of the same stuff. It doesn't have quite the same level of checklist kind of situation, but Uh you definitely can jump in. And do like a night prayer or do the Mm. Our Father, which of course is also known as the Lord's Prayer. You know, this is a Catholic app. Or you can pray with, there's a Bible in a year. Father Mike Schmitz apparently is well-known, especially in Catholic circles where he talks about, you know. Right. You do sort of like a one-year Bible thing and he does little sermons on it. And you can sort of go for that. Or you can even search by situations, like emotions. Here's one where you can, it says, how are you feeling today, Chris? And I can tap. (laughs) There's an emoji. I can tap an emoji that says, blessed. (laughs) The blessed. That's the anxious, bored, sad, grateful. And Mm. then it's going to give me like a prayer for that. Interesting. With these, every time you tap into them, it's not like the Instagram stories. It's just playing an audio clip. So, like, someone is praying out loud. They have different voices. You can choose a man's voice or a woman's voice. Or on some of them, they have,
1: again, Jesus from the Chosen who actually can (laughs) read it to you. But it's only audio. Oh, that's interesting. So, glorify is primarily visual and text, and you can pay to upgrade to the audio, which is interesting because Hallow, right? Yeah, is right. a Catholic app, right? You mentioned this earlier. In the Catholic tradition, a lot of times you're going to sit in the church
2: and listen to the Bible being read. You always are going to do the four scriptures. We also do that in the Anglican tradition, right? And so you're used to hearing the Bible or even prayers being read out loud in a group. In contrast that with your Baptisty sort of you know thing, which is like get out your Bible. Bible, read along. If you're yeah. not reading along, we know you ain't paying attention. You know, like it's all about the word. It's all about the printed page. It's all about even if we do read the scripture out loud, you know, you're going to have it on the screen maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can see why the Catholic app doesn't emphasize the text very much and emphasizes the listening of the word. Yeah. Hearing yeah. the word brings about
1: faith, whereas the <laughs> the reading of the word is mm-hmm. the emphasis in the Protestant quote unquote app. Right. That's a super fascinating distinction between how the apps are kind of approaching who their audience is. So do we think that these apps are supporting kind of what we've talked about with prayer being this place where we open ourselves to God and receive his grace? We maybe present our requests, but also are open to being changed by him. It's such a mixed bag. I go back to the fitness analogy that we were just using earlier a little bit of like, You know, you
2: sort of get into some of these fitness apps. I'm not going to lie. It's the beginning of the year. I might be doing some Apple Fitness Plus right now. So maybe that's why it's on my mind. Like at home with the iPad, like dancing around my living room with like, you know, an instructor (laughs) and like a yoga mat in front of me. And I thought it was really stupid, but I will say that having the program, having them walk through the exercises and I just follow along has actually helped me get in the habit more. Yeah. I've always been a very intrinsically motivated person, so I didn't actually see the point of fitness classes. Oh, I was like, I'll go to the gym and do my own thing. I get it. I can make yeah. my own plan. Yeah. But I have realized it's sorta of helpful to have a step by step walkthrough. It helps yeah. create some habits. And I've done better at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. It makes me think, okay, well, this prayer app, you have that prayer checklist there in Glorify. Maybe it does help me form that habit. It helps me sort of do the thing and I'm gonna do the next thing and check it. And do I like the fact that it's like giving me a little reward every time my checklist. No, that sounds like I'm just getting her done. Uh, Years ago, I used to be taught that you change from the inside out, meaning we change what our heart thinks and then that will change our actions. Yeah. What I discovered in life, I think that was not great advice, actually. I think yeah. sometimes it works that way. But actually, oh, I think we discovered that a lot of times we make choices to change what we do, and that helps change our heart, mm-hmm. like outside in. Yeah, And maybe there's a relationship between those two things. But Absolutely. the idea of, right, we can create a habit, and that helps change sort of my character in my life. And maybe the fact that this app can notify me in the morning or in the evening, like, would you like to pray? It's obviously using the same kind of notification yeah. gamification systems that other apps use. But maybe that's called calling me into something where I will do it regularly. And that maybe is honestly bringing me into God's presence Mm -hmm. on a more regular basis Mm -hmm. than the man. I wish I did more than just five minutes
1: of that. You know, I've done yoga in the past. And one of the things (laughs) I really liked about yoga was I just had to show up. I didn't have to plan anything and I didn't know how painful it was going to be or easy it was going to be that day. And this is a little bit the same in the sense that like, I don't have to plan it. I don't have to prepare I can just show up and it will walk me through what I need to do that day. It does kind of give you that structure a little bit. What's interesting to me is it essentially gives you what we in the Anglican and Catholic world call liturgy. It gives you this sequence of things and i think every church has a liturgy whether they realize it or not yeah it's an it's an i mean the word means work of the people but that's a little bit misleading it's the it's the the order of the way we worship and pray yeah exactly and even if i go to a mega church like i just have to show up and they're gonna kind of walk me through that helps you know it helps to just have someone walk me through but doesn't it also this has always been the argument against it doesn't it create like a passivity
2: like where you're just walking through, you're on a treadmill. Yeah. You're yeah, like, yeah. it's just, it's like the people standing on the walking on the, on the, it's
1: not just the escalator. It's what that, what do you call it? The people mover or walk moving walkway. It's like I
2: a think. walkway, moving walkway. And I'm always like, it's a walkway, not a standway. Like, what are you doing? You're just standing there. You know, you go to the mega church and you just sort of stand there and stare at the flashing lights and the screen and the great band and the amazing sermon. And you sort of like stand your way through the <laughs> other end. Do these prayer apps sort of maybe... I mean, I haven't been using it very... I mean,
1: I have to tap through, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got to like do my little left finger, like quarter of an inch tap, quarter of an inch
1: tap, quarter of an inch tap, getting the heart rate up.
2: (laughs) Maybe it's just sort of sliding me through this thing.
1: I, I do get that. And I think that is a risk. But I think the risk is there in any church. And I think the risk is there with these apps. And I think it does then require something of us, not just the tap, but like the actual engagement. It's that notion of what Eugene Peterson said, be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. There's still like emotional and mental work that are required to engage meaningfully with this app. It will take you a certain amount of the way, but you have to do your part as well.
2: But let me just add on to it though. Another feature of these apps is this thing where it measures how much you pray you know I mean just like this fitness app thing just like the checklist app thing it has a counter this one mine here has how many minutes of prayer and like when you're praying (laughs) actually when the audio is going and you're praying along with it sometimes you know a person's praying out loud a thing and you're just sort of thinking it with them other times they'll be like sit in silence now pray for your friends or you know now pray for this you know so either then it's silent for a while but while it's silent in the little lower left corner there's a little timer oh interesting literally counting 40 seconds, 47 seconds, 48 (laughs) seconds, 49 seconds. And I noticed that when I was doing that yesterday, I'm like, Whoa, I'm racking up my seconds here. And then when you move over to your dashboard, it shows you how many minutes and how many prayer
1: goals you've made. It's a number quantified thing. And the glorify app does the same thing, but not with prayer minutes, although it might include that, but it has a calendar and it shows your current streak. Oh, yeah. And your longest streak. Yeah. Right? Right. And so it's quantifying it in another way.
2: So what does this do to affect the way... Does this get us to the goal of... Being honestly in God's presence, I think that doesn't. Like, I feel, I you just don't might, think it does. Maybe, I don't know. I guess I'm torn. You know, we did a whole episode on fitness apps, right? And yes. trackers, yes. and like what it's like when I you remember how I told you I track all my sleep minutes too. <laughs> yeah, and I had a fun. spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it was quantified, like how many minutes I run. And I will say, like, tracking the miles I was running was helping me sort of run more. Right. But here's the question about the running thing, and then maybe I can switch it to the prayer. I was meeting my goal. I was like, I want to do this many miles in this month. I think it was the month of February and I want to yeah. run. I don't remember what I said. I wanted to run like 35 or 40 miles. I think that goal tracking mm-hmm. got me to it. In fact, a couple of times it was motivating. I'm like, I don't want to go run. Oh, I got to get to those miles and I want to hit this. So like I got out and ran. However, what's the purpose of running? Purpose of the running is not just to run really. It's like actually just to be physically fit. Like okay. physically, I think it provides physical fitness first and then also some mental health fitness. Right. At the end of the month, I might hit my goal and maybe that leads me to fitness, but it's an intermediate goal. It's not mm-hmm. actually the target. It's right. a, like, a, it's what we call a middling indicator. With prayer, maybe the prayer minutes is motivating for me to be like, oh, I feel like praying this morning. Yeah. Well, I want to hear my prayer minutes. I don't want to break my streak. I've prayed for the last seven days. Right. Right. Fine. But wasn't the goal, <laughs> not the prayer minutes? Yeah. Like, wasn't it at the end of the day? our relationship with God or us being honestly in God's presence to let God change us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does the target of hitting the prayer minutes actually become the, in evangelical parlance, the idol mm. suddenly that's the prayer idol instead yeah. of actually being
1: changed. Yeah. And I think if I'm in a moment where I don't want to pray, the question then isn't how do I continue praying? The question is why don't I want to pray? Mm. And the question for me there is what's going on in my heart or my mind or my body or in my relationships that is making me f- want to avoid God or want to avoid prayer, want to avoid myself? I mean, there's lots of reasons. Yeah. And sometimes it's really explicit. Like you're like, I'm,
2: you know, caught up into anger or lust or a despondency. And these are reasons that push us away from prayer or from God. Sometimes it's actually, I think more commonly, it's we feel tired or numb Mm -hmm. and The Instagram entertainment is just easier (laughs) at that point. Like TikTok is like way
1: more soothing. Right. And so then with an app like this, I don't think it can engage that moment in a meaningful way and say, perhaps they could, perhaps they could say, Hey, we've noticed you haven't, you know, fulfilled your reading for today. Is there something blocking your prayer life? or we've noticed that you haven't been praying for the last seven days after a streak of x amount of days you know oh, so creepy an algorithm it, yeah or how Im- it, impersonal it creepy. how impersonal that is versus something that's very personal yeah and i th- i think about my experiences with my small group or my spiritual director and like they can do that and it comes out of a relationship and a care and a connection that's personal and like you're saying it doesn't happen in this context
2: So I don't know. Would you, Adam, use these apps personally for prayer? Like, (laughs) you probably think of pros and cons.
1: Right, right. So I have used a prayer app. I actually have probably a dozen prayer apps downloaded. (laughs) What? But, but I don't really use, I, yeah. I use one mostly. The others are just, I was curious about them. There mostly. are other ones out there we didn't yeah. mention, but like Praise You Go yeah, is one. Yeah, there's a ton. Uh, yeah, Praise You Go is probably the first one that I use with some regularity. The yeah, one I yeah. use now is Lectio 365. Oh, really? And it's probably, ve- it's fairly similar to Praise You Go. So would I use these apps? I would say I'm a little more inclined towards the Hallow app probably because of the listening piece. Oh, so where you just have to listen, not read through things. Yeah, that cuts both ways for me. I like the listening piece because then I can sort of slow down and focus and listen and be carried through. And I really like that. That said, my mind can wander sometimes when I'm listening and I have to back up the visual piece of glorify where I'm like tapping through the, the verses and praying that way or, you know, reading that way. That helps me stay focused. Yeah. You know, if it were a tap through an audio piece, that might even be more attractive to me. But I would say I, I'm more attracted to the listening piece. I mentioned it earlier, but it's Romans 10, right? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm. I had a
2: seminary professor really harp on that idea of that oh, really? audio, that sound, the hearing linking to faith. Yeah, And that professor, he wasn't into media ecology, but at the same time I was studying the media ecology. Yeah. And I started really, really noticing when everyone buries their head, when we did all open our Bibles to Romans 10, you know, I'm not trying to be Southern on it, but (laughs) it was not a bad thing to open our Bibles. But I started shutting my Bible when someone would stand up to read the Bible just to listen and try to use my ears and not my eyes. That technology of the printed book in my hand, I started thinking of like, this might be a bit distracting to sort of this direct speaking to my heart. Yeah, And I started encouraging other people to do the same. In fact, the church I started going to at the time when we did the reading to the scriptures, we coached people to read well, to read loudly, slowly, clearly, huh, huh. and with emphasis, Yeah. instead of just getting someone up there to sort of let, they're just like getting through it while we all read it on our own, yeah. you know? And I really think that does something spiritually.
1: Within the media ecology realm, McLuhan and others talk about how audio incorporates, right, right, right. it brings people together, it draws people together. With site isolates, yeah, yeah, yeah. and site isolates. Although Ong and McCune disagree on that, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, whole other yeah, other yeah. thing. <laughs> but I think the other thing I would say is I'm really drawn to apps that are really taking me back to Scripture almost exclusively. Okay, and maybe includes some historical prayers or some long-standing, proven practices and methods, rather than just like new stuff all the time. Right. The thing about these apps is that the way that they're going to attract more people and keep people coming back is by having more and more content. So they're going to be on a content treadmill as an organization. Ooh, that's a really good point. To consistently draw people in and keep them engaged with new content. It's got to be hot. It's got to be fresh. Right. Except for maybe prayer doesn't need to be hot and fresh. <laughs> right? Maybe it should be steady like a building. You know, there's enough scripture that i could spend my whole life praying through scripture and it's not going to get old i'm going to wear out before the bible does but what about you would you engage in these apps are there reasons you would or wouldn't do these
2: you know the new prayer apps they're going to transform everything right i'm supposed to be the one that's all about the new technology <laughs> the new tech. here's the thing crazy point one they're not entirely new are they In the sense that I saw this secretly on your notes, but I want to say that I thought about it on my own. (laughs) Is there an older technology that this app sort of imitates? And I thought instantly, well, of course it is. Yeah. It imitates. The prayer book, yeah, the book of common prayer, the list of written prayers. Right. And I realize like a lot of evangelical Christians haven't used a book quite like this, but if you're used to certainly being Catholic, but also Anglican, but yeah. also Presbyterians, Methodists, others have books like this. Yeah. You pull out this book and it has written prayers down. Some of them are very, very old, hundreds yeah. of years old, even thousands of years old of a, a version of a prayer that the church has prayed for forever. And I love the book of common prayer. And this is sort of doing that. It's guiding yeah. me to pray. Yeah. And I still use the Book of Common Prayer. I pray the morning prayer. Which, you know, there's, yeah. there's a,
1: obviously there's different names for these. I mean, I think Thomas Cranmer was the innovator of his day <laughs> using <laughs> using the technology he had with book. He's, what, a little less than two centuries after the printing press. The book is really taking over. 1500s is, is the author of the Book of Common Prayer or right. the compiler of the Book of Common Prayer. And he's like, let's let's make an app. It's called it's called the Book of Common Prayer. <laughs> that's, you know what's really funny is one of my other prayer habits that I didn't talk
2: about is when I get up in the morning, I actually pull up a Book of Common Prayer, but I always pull it up on, uh, on my iPad on a website <laughs> that yeah. pulls in the scriptures for the day automatically. So it's just a little program website. Yeah. A guy on Twitter that's a programmer who's also a Christian. I think he it's not his main gig. He's like, if you want to buy me coffee from PayPal, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just coded a thing, set up on the mm. book, and puts together on one page so I can go through it out on my own. That's great. And I read that silently or pray through that yeah. And most mornings yeah. so that is a prayer app I use but I'm sure. using all the words that are ancient yeah. it's the scripture readings of the day there's a mm-hmm. psalms there's a Old Testament New Testament and then there's the prayers of the day yeah. and I think that's great so would I use a prayer app <laughs> I guess I do but it's it's the <laughs> book of common prayer it's the book of common prayer on my iPad <laughs> confusing so funny <laughs> you know and I know some people are more used to the liturgy and so we're talking about yeah. these old forms of prayer and you liking the either the scripture or the older forms of prayer I didn't grow up with that either. In fact, for a no, long I time, either. I thought the more spontaneous you were, the more authentic it was. Right. I think that honestly goes with, you know, you and I are now getting a little bit older. We don't want to admit it. We're at that age where we're like, we're not old, but we are a touch. <laughs> and we start realizing that sometimes it is better to go with the grandpa thing, the, the older oh, thing. Man. There's some wisdom to it. Yeah. A lot of the prayers I prayed when I was young, when I was trying to be really authentic, I actually was praying the same way over and over, and I was praying very similar to the way other people were praying, and there, yeah. I wasn't really innovating. In yeah, that. and I can be just as genuine in my heart by praying, but by praying good and true mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. words that have been maybe written by somebody else, and so I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, I fall into habits of prayer, I- even words that I pray, but I've I've made it intentional to pray certain things that I want to be true about me or that I need to believe more than I do just small phrases that I pray regularly that remind me, yeah, this is true. Like Jesus is already at work is something I pray. Hmm. And it's consistently reminding me of something. I need to believe more than I do. I need to think about more often than I do. But, it, yeah, it's just routines like that. And the Book of Common Prayer and other historical prayers help us pray into things we're trying to believe. And they tell the truth, too. And we go back to prayer. Does prayer change God? or prayer change us? Well, I mean, Augustine really says,
2: actually, we're the ones changed. So true things help change us. Yeah, My favorite prayer for the Book of Common Prayer, which any Anglican would know, but others might not, is the prayer for purity, which is the Anglican word for it, is the collect for purity, which just means prayer, but <laughs> it's a it's a prayer to gather people. <laughs> yeah. But but it goes, you know, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all, all desires, desires are known, known and from, from you, you no secrets, secrets are, are hid. hid. <laughs> right, you know it too. Cleanse yeah. the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit we could perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. And that is rich. It has heart. It has yeah. head. It calls me into true things. like, it, And it reminds me that God sees everything yeah. and knows what I want. Yeah. And it reminds me that a lot of discipleship is shaping our desire. There's a lot of good stuff in
1: there. So that's yeah. now I'm going off on how good that prayer no, is. No, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I, I need to pray that every Sunday, every day, multiple times a day. I just need to be reminded of that. So, Chris, you said it's not entirely new. You already mentioned the Book of Common Prayer kind of being updated. Do you think if these apps are used widely by lots of people in the church, how might that impact churches or Christian conversation or just Christian practices in general? How will that sort of transform oh, the okay. practices we already have?
2: Yeah, I mean, this question is really good, right? Because when we talk about a technology, we've been talking a lot about, like, what does it feel like to use that app? Yeah. But what we also need to think about a technology is how does it affect the times when we're not using that app? Yes. For instance, when you have a microwave technology, suddenly the, the oven feels a lot slower, <laughs> okay. and it might make you want to, you know,
1: microwave carrots, which no one should ever do. But the right. the-, the, the 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 mere <laughs> existence of these apps now is changing how churches. Right. So when we
2: analyze technologies, we've got to think about how does that affect the other things? If I'm praying personally with my friend in the evenings, once a week, like I do, you know, or Mm -hmm. how does it affect a small group that's talking about prayer requests they want to pray? Mm -hmm. Or how does that affect maybe my morning prayer time? And that's what these apps are sort of aimed at. Mm -hmm. The quantification that we were talking about, the counting down timer situation feels like... It would make me more aware in those other situations of how many minutes we've been praying. Let me go back to the fitness analogy. Sometimes I walk to the store and I activate my Apple Watch because I want credit for the the steps. Do I need to do that? Did I ever do that before then when I walked to the store? No, I just walked to the store and got my groceries. But now that I run with my watch, I want to get credit for the time I also walk because it can track that. So now suddenly I'm like, well, I've had... This many minutes of prayer today, <laughs> if I'm on my small group, if I can just activate these minutes, I mm. want to get credit for these minutes. Mm. Mm. I want to get that streak. Yeah. That gamification starts seeping into my mind, I think, in other ways I pray.
1: Yeah. Which yeah. I
2: don't think that's rich or good.
1: Yeah. And I know Glorify does aspire to have a more social element to their app. And so there is this... Oh, great. So we can butt into like all the group conversations too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's all pull out our Glorify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also so I can share that I've met my prayer goal for the day or prayer goal for the week or whatever. And I guess I would say if I only want the credit that the app is going to give me, then I'm only going to do what I can do on the app. And I may not be inclined to spend time reading scripture outside of the app or praying outside of the app, right? I have friends that pay really expensive gym memberships sometimes.
2: I'm like, you know, you can just go outside and run for free. (laughs) And that's true. But I was also telling you earlier, I found out that some of those options are helpful. I do think there's a
1: tension there. And I think it's maybe the difference between we talked about corporate prayer. This isn't corporate prayer. This is networked prayer. Ooh, neither private nor public. It's networked. It's somewhere in between, right? It's this personal thing I do, but it's visible to other people and the network dynamics, which are things that scholars have been kind of looking at now for a couple decades. To be more positive, I do think if all of us were using
2: an app like this on a regular basis, so we yeah. were spending the time to face God and sit in his presence. As Augustine said, I think it would make us all more fit to receive the divine gifts, which are spiritually poured out on us. Well, we've reached the time, Adam, where we need to stop being serious and get practical. (laughs) So it's vice or virtue.
1: (laughs) Gym memberships. Gym memberships. Mm-hmm. Oh man, mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I had a gym membership. <laughs> well, we can tell. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. But the COVID nineteen was a COVID nineteen. Was, was good for I mean. your body. <laughs> I gained the COVID nineteen, so to speak. You know, we're working hard. We're praying hard. Oh man, you know what? I generally hate subscriptions. I try and subscribe to very few things. Oh, and a gym membership is basically a subscription where you're like committed to something. To guilt. And it's a you- subscription to guilt. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and you have to pay for it whether you use it or not i mean yeah i mentioned yoga that i did yoga for a while i need to get back to it anyways i refuse to get a subscription i would just get like a pass for like 10 classes and i would just only do that because i just needed permission to not feel guilty about not (laughs) using my membership so yes it is a vice gym memberships are a vice wow 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 oh man (laughs) What do you think in december i was feeling a little bit of the
2: COVID body as well <laughs> and so i did what everyone does in december slash early january and went and toured two of the gyms near my <laughs> place and the one that i went into is literally five minutes from here packed with people on treadmills everyone's wow. wearing a mask and i'm like i don't know about that sounds this. miserable yeah and it was sweaty it was noisy the guys like here's the pool i'm like well i'm not gonna do that and then it's like Well, what's the pricing? And there's always like three times of pricing plus a bonus value. Three tiers of pricing? Well, yeah. Plus, like, you get access to this. Plus, if you sign up online with this thing and the pricing changes. Like, I think LA Fitness, you cannot find the prices on their website. It's like the used car system. And I realize there's snow on the ground right now, but hey, I've ran in the snow many times. Don't feel crazy about it. I'm saying God's creation, as he made it, is great for exercising. (laughs) Get out in it. Gym memberships are advice.
1: (laughs) I feel a little more positive about prayer apps than I do about gym memberships. But this has been really enlightening for me and all the details here about prayer apps and how they shape our lives. Good to see you. I'll be praying for you. Thanks, Chris. With my app. (laughs) That means a lot. That means a lot. Only if your heart's in it.